I'm joined by Bruce Tretter, Chief Operations Officer and co-owner of VO Max. Thank you so much for joining me, Bruce. Oh, my pleasure, Daniel. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, likewise. Thank you. And just to um, just so I can get an idea of, of what exactly it is that we're talking about, can you briefly describe VO Max? Yeah, we're a custom performance technical wear manufacturer. Okay. And so, you know, what exactly does that mean? Well, first yeah, of all, exactly. our name, VO Max. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what, why the name VO Max? Well, VO Max comes from the equation VO2 Max. So V and the O are capitalized and then mm-hmm. two. So it means the V is maximum and oxygen, and then the O2 is oxygen. So it's the, or the volume. So it's the, it's the maximum oxygen consumption during a specified period of peak physical performance. So when a runner is running full on sprinting or, or yeah. running even in distance, you know, very hard, somebody, uh, a hockey player skating really hard or soccer, you know, all, all of those, it's maximum performance. So that's where our name is is derived from, and it was actually established by an elite cross country or Nordic skier and cyclist, and then he and his wife. His wife was also an avid cyclist, and the two of them started to produce performance wear okay. and using dye sublimation process, which we'll talk about later on. But anyway, it's all about maximum performance, and now you know you and I are talking about sustainability and yeah. how do we make that maximum performance correspond with sustainability. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly why uh, I wanted to speak with you is because I think it's, it's really interesting, as we were saying before we started recording, is that VO Max, uh, your company, is uh, in a unique position where you've started on the journey of becoming sustainable. And what you're really looking to do is maximize uh, how you become sustainable as a company. And I, I really want to learn more about you know, what that process looks like, because a lot of the people that I've spoken to uh, so far on on the podcast, uh, they've already been sort of doing it for a long time. They've already done a lot of things. They've already gone on that journey. Uh, but you're kind of, it sounds like more towards the beginning steps of that. Yeah, so. that's exactly true. And uh, I was not in apparel manufacturing three years. Well, three years ago, I started. And then two years ago, I became co-owner of VO Max when mm-hmm. it changed hands. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. And so when I stepped in, I had no idea about about how manufacturing works or apparel manufacturing works so it's been eye-opening yeah and it's been really learning by fire hose but (laughs) now that i've but in by doing that you know by actually doing it being in the seat and seeing what's going on i mean you hear a lot of talks but um, over here in the united states you'll hear talk about bring the jobs back home well it's not just flip the switch and the jobs are coming back home. So, you know, how do we innovate and change our practices to be able to accommodate that? And then currently we have the coronavirus going on right. you know, globally, but mostly focused in the Far East. And China has become the manufacturing plant of the world. Mm-hmm. And with that, they're manufacturing, but also a lot of our pollution, so we're talking about sustainability, has been offloaded to them. And so they're bearing out a good portion of our and the Western world's and the rest of the world's carbon footprint. Mm. So now that, you know, I'm looking at how do we change that and also make economic sense out of that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think, yeah, you've, you've covered a, a million things there. It's, um, so there's certainly a lot to discuss. <laughs> discuss. I, I'd like to um, actually, what I'm, what I'm really curious to start with, because um, before we dig into the details, uh, I'm actually really interested in, in knowing how did you decide to start this journey? Because it seems like um, 
it seems like a, a big shift because you were saying that the company's been around for what, 38 years, was it? 38 uh, years. Yeah. It was so, established in 1982. Yep. Right. So yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden you're kind of coming in th three years ago. So 35 years in saying, let's completely change the, the way we do business. Um, yeah, that, that's correct. So how right. did, I'm just curious to know, how did, how did that conversation actually happen or, you know, what, what was going on that brought you to this point where you're saying, okay, it's time for us to be sustainable. Right. Well, we have talked about it and we've marketed just a little bit that we can use eco-friendly materials. And so that means recycled polyester, polyester that comes from uh, plastic bottles that have yeah. been recycled and you know, broken down and then turned into threads and then into fabrics. And, but we hadn't had very much interest and really hadn't pushed it that hard. Mm -hmm. And then we had the opportunity to acquire the rights to sell products made by a company called Attain. They're based in Maine and their niche market is specifically sustainability or using sustainable products. So using recycled polyester and they only use really one fabric to make running tops. And uh, so a running top like, like this, this is called a singlet, which is a uh, uh, you know, uh, just a strapped piece. Now, this is made. This is one of my pieces, and it's made with with traditional polyester. So bright, but uh, but theirs is, and that's to help people see you when, when you're yeah. out and improve safety, which is a big reason that I got into this business. I'm a I'm a roadie. I, I cycle on the road, and then I run on the road to get to trails, or you know, we'll just run on the road. But I I prefer running trails anyway. We. So that's the traditional polyester, and now Attain uses only, it's entirely U.S. made mm -hmm. because they, they use uh, sustainable or recycled polyester that's manufactured in the United States. And and do they get the plastic that they're recycling also locally or from the U.S.? Yes, right. You're right. It's all it's all locally derived. Oh, and okay. you know, it used to be that uh, until fairly recently, I think about a, a year or so ago, a lot of our recyclables were transported to China. So right. that means you take those pieces, you put them on some conveyance ship, and then use the energy to send it to China. Mm -hmm. And then China was using that to make recycled products, textile products and other products. And they then sh shut that down. They said, no more. And so now that stuff is, is residing here. But anyway, the yes, the attained products are all sourced. We've gotten certificates on that. We've needed to do that to comply with the Federal Trade Commission, oh, wow. and so uh, so that's what they do, and I like that model. I also like the the people who are or the, the companies that we've been working with, the customers who we've been working with who are engaged, so uh, you know engaged in, and dedicated to sustainability. Yeah, that's really cool. And so um, so that's that's how you how you got here, and, and I guess uh, why, why is it important to you? I mean, where's the, what was the, that push where you said, you know, this is something that we need to do as a company. And yeah, um, well, right. Exactly. Dan. I mean, as you were taught, as you mentioned at the start of this, we're just getting started yeah. going down this road. And for me personally, um, I, I, you know, I'm learning that have learned a good deal of this process. I have a lot more to learn, which I love. I love lifelong learning, but when, when it comes to sustainability, it's about how do we do that most effectively and efficiently, both as far as the materials we use, the process that we use, and then how we engage customers and make it economically viable. Yeah. And so what we're looking at right now, our, our factory suffered catastrophic water damage 
at the mid in the middle of December. Uh, there was a water pipe break on, of course, the third floor on a weekend. <sighs> so the guts of the building uh, were damaged and actually beyond repair. Wow. And uh, so it meant that no matter what, we were going to have to move our facility, move our, our manufacturing facility. Our offices had to move immediately. But I looked at that, you know, as the water was coming out of the ceiling, I go, okay, you know what? We have to leave this place and let's make the most of this mm-hmm. and let's find out what, what we can do to, to improve our manufacturing capability, make that make more sense. So it's about also improving efficiency in, in process. I mean, uh, you, uh, we had discussed earlier, you know, what else do you do regarding sustainability? Well, I keep, I'm, I'm here in a turtleneck and a sweater and, and all that. It's, it is pretty cool out up here in, in the Northeast. I just came from down South and, uh, but I keep the temperature down in my, in my apartment where I live. I use, uh, I, I'm very attentive to, you don't see any lights on here because the sun is, the sun is out. Right. My computer's on and it, yeah, it is charging right now. But, uh, but I really keep uh, I keep my, my power use down as much as possible, and I have to say with a caveat, except for driving. I have a very long commute, and I've been trying to cut back on my commuting mm-hmm. the days that I actually do that commute. But I just drove down south and back here well over 3,000 miles over wow. the last two weeks. That's not sustainable. And the trip was about finding a new site and you know exploring new sites and where we, where we might be able to go to reduce our total carbon footprint. And so I, I think we'll talk about later on, you know, how do you actually go about doing that? Yeah. So it's really, I look at it comprehensively and then use, you know, so it's a comprehensive approach to, to sustainability. Yeah. And then, so, and we'll talk specifically about how to get at that, but yes, we are just starting out on that. And it's, it's something that I look at holistically. So attain is the first step, at least from what I understand of that journey, right? So Attain is the is the company that VOMAX purchased, was it? Well, we didn't purchase the company. So they the the two owners uh, still have it, Jeremy Litchfield and Rebecca Dar, their husband and wife team. Uh-huh. They still own the name and they still own the, the trademark. We acquired the rights to license that and to you. sell yeah. their products, manufacture them. So we make them. I mean, they, they were never hands-on manufacturing they contracted their manufacturing we do the manufacturing now i see and uh yeah and so there's yes so attain is our is our first step for concrete step forward and then legitimate program you know we have their we have web stores on our site where people can come in and, and mm-hmm. buy uh their pieces that are actually sold through through another party or you know connected to another party so yes yeah. but that's our first solid concrete step and and most recent step so okay so that's recycled polyester and so that's i guess for me the first thing i think of is recycled polyester means that you're diverting plastic potentially from uh landfill correct yeah i mean you know the epa says five percent of our landfills are full uh, are textile related uh, from junk and we we throw out about 13 million tons of textiles uh, every year. A lot of that goes That's, in the ocean. And uh, I text, remember textiles being like clothes? Clothes. You're right, right. Clothing, fabric. Right. right. And so it could be clothing. You know, it can also be things like upholstery on, on furniture, all anything that's fabric, you know, that, that's fabric to, yeah, derived curtains, that comes yeah. from that. Yeah, all that, those are textiles. And so, wow. But our, 
it's a lot of stuff that goes that goes in in the trash and uh and it's it that is not sustainable right and uh, you know it affects our whole ecosystem so so how does um using that recycled polyester where does that piece come in in terms of it's it's less energy reliant than creating virgin polyester mm-hmm. and and you know polyester where does that come from it, it's it's an oil-based product yeah. so it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting product because you you extract it out of the ground you know the oil out of the ground and then you're making the polyester itself and then uh then that poly, that polyester has to be turned into something so you're right. using energy to create the threads then to create the fabrics and then to actually manufacture the products all of those are en- energy dependent and then when you're when you're finally finished you have to ship it someplace mm-hmm. that's energy dependent too so the energy dependency it, the, the chain is rather long when it yeah. comes to using polyester and i mean it would be the same for a paper product you know only that you're using wood instead of instead of uh, 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 an oil-based natural resource but yeah it's so it, it's an you know the whole the whole industry is is very interesting to see uh, mm. you know how that all works and polyester it's kind of uh when I, if you liken it to the food industry corn is probably the number one product used in everything you see high fructose corn syrup which is yeah. not much different than sucrose you know it's glucose and fructose together it's just that it's a highly concentrated uh, f- form. It's and it's very inex- it's relatively inexpensive to make. So it's in everything. Right. It's yeah. Not good. For, it's not. That's not sustainable either. But oil, the, you know, polyester has become very popular because of its its performance characteristics. When it first came out, it was like wearing a bag, and uh, you know, a plastic bag. But now <laughs> they've they've manipulated the polyester as far as the weave goes. So if you have you you can have different weave you know uh, the the fabric itself uh, I'll use it the weaves here I'll use something uh, totally different color but you can you can have you know things like mesh in, in there and, oh, wow, you can yeah. have you can have materials that on the face uh, next to your skin has a tight weave and then on the outside has a, a wider weave so that it draws the 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 water you know uses osmosis or uh, uh, transpiration it you know, pulls the water away from your yeah, body yeah. and then it allows it to evaporate so it's it's not that old bag that that we used to have uh but again it's made from those same materials so you know oil-based materials how do we how do we reduce the use or improve the use of that yeah well, that's really cool and, I, and you were mentioning the the chain um uh, so that's yeah. the, the supply chain and at, oh, yeah. towards the beginning yeah. you, were, you were talking about bringing jobs back home and Right. And going somewhere local instead of manufacturing in China. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to, all right, how do you make this work? In addition to the material itself. So if, if you use recycled polyester, you, you're using uh, the nat- the resource itself that's already been used and then, you know, reusing it. Mm-hmm. So breaking down the fibers or breaking down the, the water bottles into and then creating a, a fiber out of that, which is less energy intensive than the, the virgin material. But but then there's the process. How do you actually how do you actually manufacture it? Once you have the, the material, well, first of all, attain, uh, 
acquiring that material? How, what does your supply chain look like? Yeah. And what I would like to do, and you know, where our, what our company would like to do is to shorten the supplier chain so that the material comes more locally. And then how can we engage U.S. manufacturers? I mean, right now, the lion, gross lion's share of performance materials are made overseas, made in China, mostly. Some are made in, in Italy and in the cycling and performance world. You know, people hear Italy and they, they equate Italy with cycling and with performance sports. Okay. But how can we shorten that, that supply chain for a couple of reasons? First of all, sustainability, but for also economics. Look with, with the coronavirus right now, we're seeing a significant data point. I mean, our, and it has had significant economic implications. Our stock market has been doing this and predominantly this yeah, over the last down. week and a half. Yeah. And so uh, it has it has a not just a temporary effect, but a much longer term effect. So with that information in hand, you know, how can we improve what we do holistically? So as far as, you know, actually ret- acquiring the resource to make the, you know, to make the, the, the fabrics themselves and then how can we manufacture them in a more uh, or ha- and have that material more readily accessible, so closer, so it doesn't have to incur such a a a, a transportation, you know, a carbon footprint via transportation, and then how can we improve our manufacturing process to make sure that the that the material, you know, the, the material is used yeah. as effectively and efficiently as possible with minimal waste. Even mm-hmm. if you're going to recycle it, still minimize waste because no matter what, waste always requires energy. Yeah. So and it's a how, whole process. So how, what are some, I mean, what are some of the, on a high level, like, well, I guess, you know, I always like to go for the, I think it makes sense to start with the, the low hanging fruit when, yes. you're, when you're doing something like this, just to start getting some easy wins in the bank. So what are, what are, where are some of those easy wins? The easy wins are actually acquiring eco-friendly materials. So Which using is what you've done with yeah. So so you okay? That stuff is sourced. We have domestic sourcing. We also have international sourcing, or non-domestic sourcing. Meaning we we have uh, mills, you know, in the country and outside of the country to acquire them. If you acquire them inside the country, it's more sustainable because you have less of a transportation energy footprint. Right. And so that's the first place. Then when you're and then in the, in the process itself, when you're using the, the material, so the material comes in a roll, like, you know, a roll of paper towels, let's say, you know, it looks mm-hmm. very much like that. Then making sure that when you cut the pieces out, so it, it's like cookie cutting, yeah. you make sure that you minimize the waste that you, it's called when you put the pieces together. So you might have pieces like that, but when you put them on the, on the paper or wh- however you're going to cut them and and put the pieces close together so there's a minimal space between one one piece and the other and then cut as and, much and minimize of the fabric the, as possible exactly exactly so as much of the fabric as possible yeah. goes into the product not on the floor and uh, and Is then, there opportunity to use because obviously you can't use every single last square inch no. is there any opportunity to do something with that waste oh for sure to recycle it so that that happens too. The, those fibers get, and we were just talking with a, a lab down in North Carolina mm. that helps to, and there are other labs that look at, all right, how do we take that material and either use a very 
specific. So only, let's say, you know, only the material that comes off of, of this, you know, would this type of material would be recycled as, but there are also ways of taking other, other material, like, you know, here's uh, paper ways to end this. And then it, it's all put in one hopper and then shredded and used for a different purpose. Oh, wow. But all of that stuff is being researched and, and, and they're applying that research to practical, you know, using that practically. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, Again, that's in its very early stages, yeah. and so it's a, it's about how do we drive that? And I think what's what's really important is telling the story about what we're doing. Why is it? Why is this important? And I mean, the evidence I think we can say is extra, extraordinarily clear that climate change is happening, and all you have to go to is go to low you know lowlands like in Florida or Louisiana and see land being absorbed by the ocean and uh so and that's not coming back uh, unless we do something you know turn, turn things around but that's a huge stretch it's about actually minimizing the effects right now and so the but for people to say i really want that instead of saying oh yeah you know and and the material might be might be more expensive it's about bringing the cost of that down it's whole you know it's economics uh, economy uh, of scale and, and being able right. to bring that down and the process, bring the process down. So in terms of the economics, I mean, and that was something you said at the beginning, and it's something that I've always said from the very, as soon as I got interested in sustainability, one thing that I realized very quickly is that it only will work in terms of any company being sustainable, uh, any kind of um, technological advancements actually taking hold it'll only work if the financial aspect of it makes sense i mean if every company that starts right. becoming sustainable sort of for the good of it so to speak uh it start instantly becomes unprofitable and starts losing money then that's not sustainable either from a financial no. aspect so no. i think uh you know it seems like a lot of what you're trying to what you're saying is it's looking into ways to be environmentally friendly while making sure that it actually makes economic sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I look at something, especially in, in performance sports, as, as an opportunity, as a, a significant stepping stone or a way to, to really drive, I call it a point of approach into the problem. So if the problem's big like this, mm-hmm. finding a wedge that you can get in and like start, to, start to approach. Right, exactly. And then from that, to be able to expand yeah. So with performance sports, I mean, who's doing performance sports right now? It's younger, younger people. I mean, I like to tell myself that I'm still an 18 year old. <laughs> the only time I don't quite believe that is when I get in front of the mirror to shave. That also keeps me away from mirrors. But, but it's about, but it, that spirit though is still very much alive. So how do I, I, I can't stand it uh, when, if I leave a light on somewhere, you know, or I, I, come on. And so that doesn't happen very much at all. Right. I, mean, and I have evidence. We have my power company sends, you know, I'm sure you've heard about this stuff, but they'll send you a, they'll send you a letter. I think it should just be an email actually, <laughs> but um, saying, and I think I do get it an email, and, but also get a hard copy, but uh, telling me how, how my energy usage compares to my neighbors. And right. I'm always on the very green side or, you know, you're doing better than, than your neighbors. And wow. it makes sense because I keep my energy down here. I have a, a programmable thermostat. And most people do, but make sure to keep it really cool. Like when I was away for two weeks, it was, I got home last night, it was darn chilly here. Well, fine. Yeah. 
That's exactly how it should be. And uh, so, it, but it's about engaging people and spe specifically engaging people your age. Mm -hmm. And, and all right, what do you want to do? You want to, you know, millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, and, and the, all the younger people are looking at, they're taking this more seriously than we are. So my generation and, uh, and it's about, okay, connecting with them and, and how are we doing this? And then it, telling our story and having people involved in these sports or these activities saying, you know, I want that's this is what I want. Well, the market is going to drive what we what's actually produced. Yeah. So if there's more pressure put on the market to create those products, those products will be produced. And, uh, you know, there's a line that I, that I gave you that, that I believe in strongly. We have to be the change we need. Right. Don't rely on anybody else to do that. It's not happening. Government, you can hear all the stuff that goes on politically. And I've been involved in local politics for, for a long time, hmm. but it's about being taking that responsibility to be the change that we need. Yeah, I, and, I, think, I think that's great. Yeah, so, go and, ahead. but if you, if you connect that way, so you know, if somebody is an avid cyclist, well, they're out there you know, out in the open, so they're, they're recognizing the junk that's on the road. I mean, it's, yeah. again, it's a holistic problem. What are they breathing in? You know, if they're in the city and they're and you're using your VO max, how much of that O2 is really O2 that you're mm. sucking in, and what what you know what's the ratio of that to other stuff that's coming out of cars or what you know anywhere else? Yeah. And so it's really important to connect those dots to say, oh right, this is this is a, a this is really an ecosystem, and so it's ecological, but it's also economical. So echo, you know, going both ways. Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. If it makes no economic sense, it's not going anywhere. And, you know, your politicians say, oh, yeah, it's going to create so many, you know, so many jobs. You go, okay, fine, that's great. But uh, instead of a sound bite, let's actually get a bite into the problem and, yeah. and let's see how that actually works. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, one thing I'm, I'm curious about, because you're saying that performance sports, a lot of it's a, attracting kind of the younger generations so does oh yeah that, does that mean that it's um from your point of view as as a as an owner um of a company is it becoming necessary to move down this path because is that sort of what the next generation of of your customers are expecting you to do well i'll tell you what that that to me that's a bit of a question mark and mm. i think it's about it's really about telling the story of what we're doing and, and why we're doing this and engage people who are like-minded, who recognize that and yeah. then can actually influence, influence the game. And, and I don't mean it as a game like a, a play, but, you know, be involved in the whole process. Right. And I think with that, um, you know, I, like there's something that I just, it, I just realized was alerted to yesterday when we're looking at, at moving our manufacturing facility or you know having having other manufacturing facilities but the huge question is actual skilled labor people who can operate the machines that we use to make our products right and so i call our i call our process a merger between 21st and 17th and 18th century <laughs> technology because our image is like whenever we do a, a graphic design like let's say we put a you know put this put this panel to this star here the material come is starts out like that white, right? And so it's on, the the print is only on the outside of the of the material, and it actually the the ink 
uh, impregnates the fiber. So it goes from a solid, the ink, from a paper pressed onto the, onto the so the paper goes, goes onto the cut fabric pieces, heat supplied, the ink goes from a solid to a gas. That's where sublimation comes in. Okay. And then the, the ink impregnates the fibers and doesn't sit on top. It actually goes into, into the fibers so and like only goes in so far so, so that the fabric retains its performance features, wicking, you know, moisture wicking, drying, right. uh, cooling, all, all of that stuff. That process sort of reminds me of you know when you're when you're a kid and you do those little temporary tattoos. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Exactly. From the paper, you use. Yeah, the paper. exactly. You just put it, and you just you have to hold it and press kind of hard, and right. maybe rub it a little bit, and then when yep. you let go, it's off the paper and it's on your skin. And it's on and it's on you. Yeah, exactly. So it, that's similar. Although yeah. there's no sometimes there's a like a paint that, that sits on top, and so. Mm -hmm. The, the difference, the, the difference between uh, you know what you were talking about are having that residue. Yeah. It's like when you get a silkscreen shirt; that's a rubbery paint that's put on, or right, right. That's, that's put on top. And if you ever see somebody who's exercised using uh, a cotton shirt that has uh, silkscreening on it, you'll see the sweat starts at the silkscreen, you know, where the, where the where the print is because that's rubber. And uh, so it's like those old polyester shirts where it's a bag that you put right. On. And so this is completely breathable. But by, by so we're looking at we have to have people you know who can actually operate our our equipment. Right, right. And demographically, it's been there have been uh, people. They're mostly women. They're mostly immigrants, but they're also aging out. So they're the mother of the, of the youth or the grandmothers of of the youth, and youth isn't coming into the game. But um, I was talking with somebody yesterday down in North Carolina about, and they were talking about how they've been talking to youth and bringing them in to, into plants to say, no, manufacturing has changed. And so we do, we use a different process. The buildings look different. And I mean, some of these buildings um, that some of the factories you go into, most of the factories that I go into, the buildings were built around the time of the civil war here. So in the 18, wow. mid to late 1800s. And then the machinery is more up to date, but still not very, not very new. And that's being, that's being updated mm -hmm. and modernized, but there's an expense to that. And so it doesn't look very appealing, especially to youth. I mean, I'm looking at the background that you have in your place and, you know, it looks nice and fresh. You've got the plant on, on one side to you and a white wall and it looks very nice. But, um, but how do we improve that and then engage people and say, you know, youth that, no, no, no. This isn't the factory that you see in black and white pictures. Yeah, this yeah. is an up-to-date, you know, modernized factory. And then I look at when I was out on the road, I was going to restaurants, you know, when I was with, our, with, with other people that I, that I was meeting with, we'd go to restaurants. I actually try to eat as much as I can in the hotel and go to the grocery store and sustain. I told you about bringing my own bowl, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Because I can't I stand that. the paper stuff. But, uh, but I'm looking at who is in these, who, who's serving us? You know, who's yeah. putting our meals together? A lot of young people. Where are those jobs taking them? Really nowhere, unless right. they're going to open up a restaurant. Uh, but, and then where are they? They're in, in places where there's a lot of outdoor activity. And you can see in the shirts they wear that they are inclined to do those activities. Now, how can you engage them and say, look, here is an industry that we're trying to revitalize here in the United States. And how do we get youth involved and go, you can actually, you know, you do this sport, you do cycling, terrific. 
and you want to design something, all right, but look, let's, let's design with an eye for production. So learn how to do this stuff. So then when you get into it, and if you want to continue on, you know, move up a career ladder into design, into management. Now you actually know what that means. Right. And uh, so, you know, and in the same manner, how do we do this stuff sustainably? So if you bring people in and go, all right, you know, hey, you guys are using this stuff, this, this oil product, you know, that, that's crazy. Okay. Talk is fine, but now you have an opportunity to change the game. So again, when I mentioned holistically, it's looking at the right. problem it, comprehensively, but you can't bite the whole thing off like that. You got to find points of approach. So how do you, how do you get into that, you know, and, and make those approaches and then start to expand influence mm-hmm. based on what you learn. And so, you know, learn and adapt. And uh, so I think that's, you know, and it's, it, it, and that's off of, that's off the top of my head, which right. is plain to see. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, how do we, you know, how do we start that engagement and then keep a, an eye on the macro problem? So the whole, you know, the comprehensive problem, mm-hmm. but also find micro solutions to that and right. keep chipping away and then find ways to, to achieve, to achieve some victories. You know, like you were talking about low hanging fruit. How do we actually start to harvest that and, uh, and then be able to tell the story about it. And I find that I find that very exciting and it is ex- extraordinarily timely. Yeah, I think now is the absolute right time to do it. Um, w- what would you say is, I mean, from all of this, because there is, like you said, it's first of all, it's a holistic process, which or, um, it's a holistic challenge and it has to be therefore a holistic approach. Right. Um, where, where would you say from your experience in terms of trying to, not trying, but moving in this direction, uh, to be more environmentally fr- friendly, where are the biggest challenges that you're facing? Is it is it the telling the story and getting people interested, or is it more on kind of logistics of actually how things are made and where it comes from? All of those all of those come into play, but I think the the biggest challenge or the place to start is where what is the market looking at and what type of market are we serving? So when, you know, my focus, our company also does fashion wear. Okay. And my focus is more on the performance wear because that's Mm -hmm. what I do. I mean, I'm an, I'm an avid cyclist. I've I've, uh, become a born again. I call it scrappy runner uh, because I'm, I'm not very fast, but it's about putting to, how do we put this together? How does this stuff, uh, wear and feel like this material right here, which is a two-way stretch material. I've made, bought, you know, paid to make, make shirts like this for, for, for running and for also for cycling. Uh, but I find that after I go for a run and I want to pull, pulling the thing on, isn't so bad, but when, after I get done with a run and I'm, and I'm sweaty and I try to pull the thing off and I'm like, come on. And I can hear the threads popping. It's my own shirt that I've, you know, made that I, uh, developed myself. And then, I, I contrast that with uh, with this material, this four-way stretch material that's much lighter. And I, and I go, this whoop comes off my body when I'm done, straight into the sink, hand-washed. And uh, But I go, this is what we're going to make the thing with, okay? Right. The, the cost, now there's a material cost to it also, and this is more expensive material. But, you know, it's about knowing what this stuff is and, and practicing that. So, that's more my forte. Mm. I mean, you can see how stylishly I'm dressed. This is all, you know, this is uh, uh, from 
uh, REI, Recreational Equipment Incorporated. You know, it, it's a sports, an outdoor sports place, and yeah. you know, it's really like for for skiing, and a cotton T-shirt underneath that. But that's my fashion, and uh, <laughs> but that but that's what I it live. Works. That's that's what I do. Yeah. And so let's focus on this. And these are also the people who are engaged in the outdoors. They're going kayaking. They're going hiking. And they're enjoying that, but I know they're also seeing junk along the way, you know, mm. trash in the water. They're seeing trash on the trails or on the road. And so, okay, we want to, you know, and instead of just complaining about it, what can you actually do to, to make that change? And as a consumer, you can consume products that are, that are different and you have to educate that, you know, let people know this stuff is available, but it's really tying into that market. And instead of taking a gigantic leap, you know, and say, oh, well, this is what we're doing. You know, we're being sort of high-minded about it. Yeah. You know, we're not getting there. But if you bring that down closer, you go, here's a step. This is like that. I mean, this this material right here, this traditional poly, we can also make this stuff in, with sustainable polyester or perhaps a different material. But it it's it's readily available. You know, you don't have to make that huge leap. Okay. That's, you know, that, that that's starts to make sense from a practical point of view. And then if you can price it out and manufacture it at a competitive price, now it makes economic sense. Right. And then it's about engaging them. And uh, our, you know, generations that are younger than I am are more likely to, uh, you know, to, to reach into their pocket and go, hey, you know what, I just got this really cool thing. And then boom, the message gets out to a lot of people. And so it's taking... And I don't mean this in a negative way, like using or uh, using somebody, but it's taking advantage of of the modes of communication, the buying practices mm-hmm. that are currently out there, and then leveraging those. Now, those yeah. all sound like uh, that. That's not the, they, they, those can have an unintended, not kind uh, intonation or, or, or sound. But it's about no, I guess what it's speaking is, the language of yeah, exactly. your intended audience. What what are they doing? And yeah. yesterday when I was talking about, uh, you know, heard what was going on in the manufacturing world from a, a company that's it's called the Manufacturing Support Center in Con Conover, North Carolina. So outside of Charlotte, an hour yeah. or so outside of Charlotte. And there was a guy my age who coaches sports, coaches swimming, and he was talking with youth about what's going on. He also brings middle schoolers, so seventh and eighth graders, through this uh, manufacturing support center to show them modern manufacturing. This is what it's all about, and you know, this is not your parents or grandparents manufacturing. Yeah. And then, and I thought, oh man, you know that so initially if especially for us starting up a new factory you have to have people who are established so the older generation that that actually knows how to do this stuff train them specifically to sew this type of work you know to manufacture this type of stuff but when you look at okay what's the next generation going to be and start to bring them in and show them here is a career path there's actually a, a work that you can take on that leads to a career yeah and with much more opportunities than making a, a sandwich in a sandwich shop. Mm. So how can we engage them? And a lot of those, a lot of the youth that are doing those, those types of uh, uh, the, that type of work. I mean, I've, I have two sons in their twenties, mid to late twenties who've experienced exactly that they have degrees, but they're doing something else for personal reasons or personal interest reasons, but they're supporting themselves with labor, you know, hourly labor. Yeah. like that and so how can you get into a, a business where you might start out hourly but 
the the career growth is something totally different and then tie into that all right let's make that sustainable let's improve so we have that point of approach but now let's start to expand that right and, and multiple again holistically on on a bunch of different tiers yeah i think that's that's a really interesting way to do it because it's not just the people who are purchasing but it's all no. it's also the people who are actually going to be working and creating the the products exactly and if you have people who are involved let's say in performance sports so, you know i'll just use kayaking for yeah. example and so they're involved in that and then they're actually involved in making the products mm -hmm. and we're working let's say you know there's a kayak company that makes the actual boats that make the kayaks you know, yep. okay great how can we help you what type of wear would, would work well with that and then how can we do that in both in a performance from a performance point of view but also sustainably and work together so we're not competing with you we're supporting each other you make right. one product we make another product how do we work together by the way the can other, that yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can that kayak be made out of materials that are more exactly, sustainable? Because yeah. they're also made out of plastic. And so it's, I look at seeing the whole problem. And yesterday, when we had this discussion, the glow on people's faces, now they were mostly, yeah, you know, mostly my generation or just a little bit, a little bit younger, but the look on their face and then their contribution. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm listening to something and reacting, but their contribution to that. Yeah. How can we, collectively take these ideas and then magnify them and then apply them mm -hmm. and i'm going all right that is that's where we need to go and when right. people have that visceral sense about all right this is what we can do and and it's it's not a pipe dream but we're going to take you know take a step up approach to it then it becomes more viable and uh so yeah i think i i mean there's no doubt uh, that we have to make a change because I mean, five years ago, the guess was, okay, we can go up, you know, one and a half degrees Celsius. So it's up like two and a half degrees Fahrenheit over the next, what are like to 2050. And now it's no, that has that the time frame has to be, has to be shrunk considerably for us right. to have an, uh, an effect that's, uh, that is, um, that moderates, you know, the problem that we have right now. Uh, before it's it's already it's already racing ahead at, at yeah. an incredible pace. So and on the that, urgency the urgency is there. Absolutely, we, yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right. It's um the urgency is there, and I think it's important for companies uh, to to make a change like you're doing. Um, I also think, and this is one question I really like to ask, just to be inspired. And you've already listed off a number of these things, but maybe you're, you have um, some more to add to that list in terms of what you personally do in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, I mean, so one of the things you mentioned is no lights on when you don't need them uh, and, and keep the heating low. I mean, what, what are some of the other things that on a day-to-day -day basis, aside from, you know, outside of VO Max that you do to be environmentally friendly? Well, if I can, if I can not, one of my favorite sites is to see my car parked yeah <laughs> in the parking lot and i and then to be quite blunt i use my car way too much because the factory you know i bought i invested into the business the business is currently in northampton massachusetts it's on the western side of the state i live 30 miles from boston so i'm on the eastern side of the state even right. though they call it central massachusetts i'm on the eastern side of the state my commute to and from work is 160 miles wow that's ridiculous yes and so 
I go, all right, I can't, it's, it's, it's economically draining, financially draining. Yeah, and draining. Where, wherever the money comes from, and right now as an owner, the luxury of being an owner is you get to pay to work. Terrific. And so it's about turning that around, but uh, it's not economically sustainable and it's not environmentally sustainable. And so I've been trying to, you know, working on, all right, I'm going to work from home where I'm actually more efficient when I can be at home and just stay focused yeah. on what I need to get done. But, uh, but I also have to be there, you know, have a, have a presence. And, uh, so it's looking at how I, and one of the things about moving wherever we go, I will, I'll then move from where I am. I mean, I can't stay here, especially if we move to another state, but, um, move and then be close enough, ideally be close enough to our, our operations that I can either walk or ride the bike. I mean, if I can walk, that means I can also ride the bike, but but then in inclement weather, I can still get there mm-hmm. by foot or at the very worst, have a much shorter, uh, have a much shorter drive. Yeah. So those are things that I'm constantly and cognitively aware of. I think that's a really good, um, yeah, that's a really good point. And one thing I'm noticing is when I was living in LA, I mean, uh, before I moved to London, you had to drive. There's almost yeah. no other option no um, and it's and it's horrible i lived in yeah. la in west la myself and okay it's, yeah it, we're probably in this from in a similar spot yeah um yeah and it's especially if you have to go anywhere outside of west la yep then you're going to be in your car for a minimum of 45 minutes to an hour oh yeah and probably not moving a lot either yeah exactly yeah um, horrible yeah exactly and and it's amazing now living here in London, um, being able to just walk places or, or take public transportation. It, there's a lot of freedom, I would say, um, just to not have to worry about your car and to con- yeah. and to not plan your life around your car is, it's really nice. So even so, even the environmental aspects aside, it's just the freedom uh, to sort of just say, you know. Uh, Public transportation here in London is fantastic. I know that wherever I go, there's always going to be a way to get back home, and mm-hmm. I don't need to worry about parking or you know moving my car from one spot to another. And it's it feels kind of emotionally there's more sort of emotional freedom almost as well. In addition to the fact that it's yeah you just don't have to drive as much. Yeah, uh, uh, right, and I agree. Yeah, and your generation and even those younger are looking at that actively with where they want to live where they want to work you know putting that all together yeah and so i think that that's vitally important and that also has an economic effect that's not, true. not wanting to buy a car not wanting to buy oil to to drive to uh, to pr- uh, propel the car yep and so it's about extending that out holistic also also into where and then also finding ways to you know if you're going to get something like the the amount of pe- people you know, buy clothing and then throw it out in a very short period of time. Yeah. And uh, the the amount of waste is is tremendous. When they say something like 70 pounds a year per person, and that's, that's, that's an inordinate amount. But it, but yes, and it. So Daniel, you're entirely correct. But it's the whole it's the whole perspective, and then what we can do together to to make the most of that. Yeah. I think that's um that's very well said. So where can people find VO Max and if they're if they want to buy some some great sustainable uh, performance wear, where can we go to to get some of that? Well, you can go to our website and you know, people say, Yeah, go to the website. Great. And our <laughs> website, 
our website is a lot better than it used to be and we're actively going to the next next level we have the, awesome. the next version that will come out soon that will be more user friendly and so it's very easy it's just vomax.com easy but what you can do is i've i've had my my phone number and, and email on, on billboards around here for stuff that i've done in my town and i'm absolutely fine with that but my work or my VOMAX email is my first initial and last name. So btreader at VOMAX.com. So that's really easy. Awesome. And my phone number is 508-446-7790. And you can text or, or call that. It's my cell phone. You can text or, or call that. And, uh, and what I find most fun in, in this, so engaging with customers, is actually engaging with them, talking with them. Yeah. And, you know, if they send an email or, uh, or they go through the website, you know, that's another step to, to go through. But if people contact me directly, I get right back to them. That's awesome. And help them that way. And then we have, you know, partners that we're working with. Like, for example, there's a, there's a, a company up in Maine. It's a, a run store and uh, they also have a web store presence on our site at uh, crow athletics mm. and gary allen the guy who owns that and runs their program has been a terrific partner that came over from attain so we were introduced right, to them okay. through attain through from jeremy and becca and uh and i've had a lot of fun uh, talking with him and it, sometimes there have been problems that we've had but he's been he's understood okay here's how we're going to make you know here's what we need to do to fix that Mm-hmm. and then do that and uh so you know there are, we have uh and so right now uh, gary and crow only as far as the the run tops that they get from us they're only using the attainer the, the recycled poly cool. uh, products yeah and so i would like to look at, at finding some more performance um, material because the material the the uh the poly that they use is this two-way stretch which is okay, but I would like to find some four-way stretch that's lighter right. and more conducive to, to running and performance sports. The four-way it's stretch also, is the one you were saying is e- much easier to take off. It, it's easier to take off. It also, if I don't know if you if I get close enough, if you can see the, the perforations in it. Oh, so, yeah, it has the little holes in it. Yeah, yeah, right. And so it's, more, it's a lighter material. It's more breathable. And it feels like a second skin you don't even notice is on, on your body and it, it performs very well. But if we can find a sustainable uh, material to do that. And uh, when I was in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina and South Carolina have, uh, they have both testing or development uh, um, capabilities and mm-hmm. then a, a lot of mills in the area that, that are manufacturing textiles. And again, for the performance sportswear, most companies, uh, the, the predominant source is overseas. So how can we start to bring that back home and, and really make both practical and economic sense out of that? Yeah, well, best of luck on your journey. I mean, it sounds like you have, um, you've, you're, you've made a really good start and now you're, you've got your work cut out ahead of you to keep moving in that, in that wedge and make the, the wedge much bigger. Uh, absolutely. And yes, the work, the, the uh, yes, the work is, there's plenty to cut out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, best of luck on your journey. We're, we're all rooting for you. And um, thank you so much for your time today, Bruce. Really appreciate oh, it. Oh, Daniel, I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Likewise. Yeah. All right. Take care, Bruce. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating. And also, 
please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.